there are a few things that are as powerful as nostalgia. Uh, me and my brothers recently acquired a, a PlayStation 2, an old school PlayStation 2, and it works well. You'd, you'd be surprised. It's That thing runs like, like a charm, as they say. Uh, and, and we've got the original Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 on there. We've got Medal of Honor European Assault. Uh, we've got all kinds of fun little games on there. And, and, you know, I've found that as I've played some of those games, and there's something about those games that uh, I like more than even a lot of the newer games. I mean, don't get me wrong, the newer games are cool. Their graphics are awesome, but there's something on these older games... Even back to NES, Super Mario, and, and Nintendo 64, and, and uh, PS1, PS2, these old games that I used to play because the value of it is not just about the graphics, it's not just about what's the latest and greatest, it's nostalgia, it's the memories I have attached to it. And you know, a lot of times we tend to be more attached to things because of what they remind us about the past what they remind us about the good old days. It's not that they're the best thing out there. It's not that they're the, the highest quality. It's not that they're the most beneficial. It's that we just can't seem to shake this nostalgic thing that we love what came from the past. And that's not necessarily a, a bad thing, but I want to talk to you today about what it means to have eyes to see the new thing that God is doing. Hello, my name is Benjamin Pace, and this is the No Content Podcast, the podcast that I started because I wanted to have a podcast before everyone does. We have no content for ducks. Hey there, welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I'm excited about this podcast today, mostly because this is my one-year anniversary podcast. I'm releasing this on April 11th, and I, I released my, fir- my first podcast ever on April 11th of 2020, and this is 2021. And I'm excited because I've been doing these for a year, and I'll just be honest with you, the first podcast I ever did... Man, the Holy Spirit had to get on my butt about it. <laughs> I'm just being real with you. Um, I, I enjoy doing these kind of things, but you know, I really wanted it to be perfect, and I wanted it to be this certain way, and I wanted to put this in it and put that in it, and wanted it to be all cool. And, and you know, I, it was taking me a long time to get that all together, and it just wasn't happening the way I wanted it to. And I was trying to fix every little thing, and finally the Holy Spirit's just like, Ben, you're adding all these things that I didn't tell you to add to it. Just do it. Just hit record. And that was a year ago. That was a year ago on the day that I'm releasing this podcast. And uh, I, I think I've come a long way in a year. I think I've I've listened back to my older podcasts, and and I see how even you know I've gotten more comfortable in this. I've I've gotten more relaxed in this. I enjoy it more. I've gotten more confidence in it. And that's all the grace of God. That's all growing in the grace of God in a thing. But you know, so many times we. We want things to be perfect before we'll just pull the trigger. We want things to be perfect before we'll step in to something new. 
And God's saying, hey, just hit record. Just just take a step. You don't have to have it perfect. Just take a step. Just do what's right in front of you to do and, and let me do the rest. You know, our responsibility is obedience. It's not to make everything happen. It's not to do all the work of everything. It's to be obedient. And, and I'm excited. This has been a, a one-year of doing podcasts, one year anniversary podcast, and I'm excited about what we're going to get in today, uh, get into today rather, and uh, it's going to be good. So uh, anyway, the title of today's podcast is New Wine and New Wineskin. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this podcast. I thank you for this opportunity to read the word. I ask that you would give me and every listener eyes to eyes to see and ears to hear what you're saying, Father, and eyes to see the new thing that you are doing. And Father, I thank you for opening up your word, for giving us revelation. We give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18, you've probably heard this verse before. It says, do not remember the former things or ponder the things of the past. Listen carefully. I am about to do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even put a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, when he says, will you not be aware of it? I don't believe that's a rhetorical question. I I believe he is literally asking, will you or will you not be aware of it? I see this as it's a choice. I believe that this is God saying that, I'm doing a new thing. You're either going to be mindful of it, you're either going to be aware of it, or you're not. You're either going to see what I'm doing or you won't see it. You're either going to have eyes to see and ears to hear what I'm about to do or you won't. Now, as usual, I'm getting all kinds of ahead of myself. But it's hard to get past that without saying that in the beginning. And we're laying a foundation and uh, we'll build on top of it. And uh, man, who says this is supposed to be in a certain order? This whole podcast is about doing a new thing. And who says that this is the certain way a sermon's supposed to sound? It's supposed to be in this order and you're supposed to say this and build on this? Hey, listen, I want to flow with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to let him worry about communicating this to the listeners. Not worry. God doesn't worry. You know what I mean. In the Passion Translation, it says, stop dwelling on the past. Don't even remember these former things. I am doing something brand new, something unheard of. Even now it sprouts and grows and matures. Don't you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and open up flowing streams in the desert. Now, now this reference that's made to flowing streams in the desert, you know, a river in the desert is unheard of. <laughs> A river in the desert is brand new. That's You don't just see that. You don't go walking in the desert and just say, oh, there's a river. That's normal. That's, that's what I was expecting to see. No, that's unheard of. That doesn't belong there. You didn't expect to see that there. Why is he talking about this river in the desert? He's talking about something that you don't expect, something that is brand new. It's not something that you thought of. It's not something that that you did the math and came to this conclusion. No, he's saying this is brand new. This is something that's going to take you off guard. You know, I'm going to be doing a podcast later on this year called A Surprise Party God. And you know, God loves to surprise his kids. 
He loves to do something that you weren't expecting to do. In fact, he loves for you to expect him to exceed your expectations. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to his power that works in us. He is always able to exceed our expectations. Don't ever doubt God's ability to do that. He is a God of the new. He loves to do brand new things that we've never heard of. You know, you've probably heard this verse in Isaiah many times. You've probably seen it posted on social media. Maybe you've seen it cross-stitched on pillows. I'm sure there's a Hobby Lobby decor section with this verse on a picture somewhere. You see this verse on wedding invitations. You know, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. And that's appropriate because a marriage is a new thing. It's a brand new thing. And it's a new beginning. I have a friend who who, uh, you know, the Lord showed him and talked to him about the number eight, and he did some studying about the number eight. In fact, I'll, I'll say he had an experience where he went, he believes he went to heaven in a dream and, and uh, learned about the number eight. Now, you may or may not believe that, but I believe it lines up with what the Word says. But whether you do or not, he talks about how the number eight represents new beginnings in the Bible. And it's a new thing. It's a brand new thing. And, and that's what a marriage is. There's a reason why it's called a marriage altar. <laughs> I've heard other people say this before, um, but it's the truth. It's an altar because something is dying and something else is living. This is a representation of our life in Christ. The old man is dying and we are becoming alive to Christ. It's a, it's a new thing. It's a brand new thing. But, you know, we're going to be bold today. We're going to do something bold. We're going to do something unexpected. Man, this is, this is a brand new, unexpected thing. We are going to read Isaiah 43 in context. <gasps> yes, I know. I know. I know I'm stepping out there. I know I'm, I'm tiptoeing. I'm towing the line here, but, but I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be courageous, and I'm going to read. I'm actually going to read this verse in context. You know, you should read Jeremiah 29, 11 in context too. It's, it's, it's all good. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a great verse, but so are the verses that are surrounding it. But I'm going to read this in, in context. I'm, I'm going to read Isaiah 43. I'm going to be bold. And uh, give me a moment while I pull it up here. I'm going to read it in the New King James Version. Uh, because uh, King James is good, but I like the New King James. Uh-oh, okay. King James is great, though. King James is very accurate. But, you know... Uh, there's nothing wrong with the Word of God. It doesn't need to be altered or changed. Um, Jeremiah talks about walking in the old paths and, and, and not forsaking them. And, you know, uh, we don't need to change the Word of God. Um, we don't need to change the gospel. We don't need a new gospel. Uh, the original gospel still has steam rising off of it, if you know what I mean. It's, it's still hot. <laughs> you know, we don't need to change the gospel. We don't need to change the Word. Um, we don't need a new gospel or a new word. In fact, Paul said, even if an angel preaches a different gospel, let him be accursed. Now, we don't want a new gospel, but that doesn't mean that God isn't doing a new thing in our lives and doesn't have new ways and methods of doing things in our lives. He wants to do a new thing. In fact, the gospel is the new covenant. It is the new thing that, that, that Jesus came to bring. You know, Jesus gave us a fresh way of looking at the Old Testament. He gave us a fresh way of perceiving the Old Testament. We're about to get into this, but you know, he said he said that the Pharisees did not have eyes to see or ears to hear. He corrected the way we were seeing and hearing 
the, the word in the Old Testament. So, so the Holy Spirit will give you a fresh way of looking at things, a fresh way of seeing things, not altering, not changing, not, not removing the integrity of it, but he will help us to see things in a bigger picture because our minds are so limited. First Corinthians 13 tells us that we know in part, we only see a part, but Jesus is the perfect clear image of the father. And if we want to see clearly, if we want eyes to see, we have to look at Jesus. If we want eyes to see anything in the Bible, we have to look at it through the Jesus glasses. We have to look at it through Jesus glasses. We have to look at it through the lenses of Christ. If we want to have a clear vision of any part of the scripture, of any part of the word of God, because he is the word made flesh and he is the perfect image of the father. You know, in context, Isaiah 43 says this, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. You know, I don't know if you've seen the show, The Chosen. Uh, I absolutely love that show. I, I believe it's anointed. I believe it's so good. It's, it's, I can't watch it without tearing up. Uh, and the first episode, it shows uh, Jesus ministering to Mary Magdalene. And, and of course, you, know, you can say, well, they took some liberties. Yeah, they did. But at the same time, they were still faithful to the word. And they were still, everything that they used, they, they got from the word. And, and yes, sure, they may have put this timeline here and filled in this blank, but they used the word to do it. And um, you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you rightly divide some of these things. And uh, it's, it's good to go through and read the Gospels yourself. But I, I love how Jesus says this verse to Mary Magdalene in that show. He says, I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. You know, Mary Magdalene, the Bible tells us that she had, had seven demons possessing her and Jesus cast those demons out of her and she became a follower of Christ. She was redeemed by Jesus. The old things passed away from her and she was given a new life in Christ. And I like that they use this verse in that show. I believe that Jesus was, he was, he knew the word. He was the word and he lived and breathed the word. So uh, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Jesus would have quoted this verse. But it says this in verse 2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Saba in your place. Since you are precious in my sight... You have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. Now, I want to emphasize that for just a minute. Bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. I want you to remember that verse because we're going somewhere with that. The blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. He says, let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled 
Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring out their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them hear and say it is truth. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I have declared and saved. I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Now, I'm going to skip here just a little bit. When he talks about how, for your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives. And the Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships, I am the Lord your God. He's making a way for them. He's bringing them out of bondage. He says, I am the God who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse. He says this, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, now I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. This is the context that he's talking about. When he's saying these things, you know, he, he talks about later in this chapter, how Israel keeps going back to these other things, though, going back to, to these old sins, these old ways of thinking. He says, he says this, you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. And then he says this, I'm the one who blots out your transgression for my sake, and I will not remember your sins. In other words, he's saying that I'm trying to blot out and put away these sins, but you keep going back to them. You keep bringing them up. Uh Uh-oh. You keep bringing up your old sins. You keep talking about it. I'm the one that blots it out. I'm the one that puts it from you, but, but you keep bringing it back up. You keep being mindful of these things. And he's saying, forget the former things. Now, I'll say this. I've talked about my testimony on this podcast. I've talked about the things I've done and the things I've seen. And, you know, we're not supposed to forget where we've come from. We're not supposed to forget where God has brought us. You know, uh, it's good to to not have selective memory. You know, it's good to remember, hey, God brought me out of this and he did this. And it's a testimony that gives glory to God. But so many people are still clinging to the past. So many people are still clinging to the old things. So many people are still staying in this rut, this cul-de-sac of going over and over the past. You know, shame and condemnation is the very thing that'll keep you bound to a sin. Shame and condemnation, this identifying with something is the very thing that will keep you bound to that thing. Have you ever struggled with something or ever had an issue and and every time you messed up in that area, you said, oh man, I did it again. I did it again. Oh man, I messed up again. Oh, I went off again. I said the wrong thing again. I got angry again. I cursed again. I did this. I did it again. Why? Because you're keeping a tally. You're keeping this this list of all the times you've done this wrong and you're identifying with that. But see, God is saying, hey, As far as I'm concerned, this is the first time we're dealing with this issue because I've already blotted out your transgressions. I've already blotted out this. And he says, you've wearied me with your sin. Why? Because they keep bringing it up. You know, it's annoying to God when we keep bringing up how unworthy we are because of our past. When God's saying, I've removed your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. What else do you want me to do? 
Isn't it interesting that God can get annoyed? <laughs> he can get weary. You know, God, these things irritate God when we keep bringing up the transgressions that he's blotted out. You know, it's good to tell our testimony. It's good to, to remember where God has brought us from. But we've got to get out of this mindset of identifying with our past sins. We're either a new creation in Christ or we're not. We're either a new, a new creature or not. And even if people want to try to bring up your past, you don't need to be moved by what people say. You need to be moved by what God says. And God has forgotten your past. Now, some other people may still judge you because of your past. You can't control that. But you've got to make up your mind. No, that's not who I am. That, that old man, that old woman is dead and gone. It's put away from me, and I'm not identifying with it anymore. God's not mindful of it, and I'm not going to be mindful of it either. Because that's a cycle that'll keep you bound to the same things if you don't get rid of that identifying, that sin consciousness mentality. Like I said, it's good to know where God brought us from. But you know, God has always dealt with this kind of thing when he's trying to bring something new into people's lives. And he's always had to deal with people continuing to look back while he's trying to do something new. You see this with Israel and, and, and Egypt. You know, the Israelites, they, God's bringing them through the wilderness. He's, he's doing a new thing. He's trying to bring them into the promised land. And they kept looking back to Egypt. And they had such a selective memory of, of how comfortable and how good it was in Egypt because that was in their soul. And they had a selective memory. You know, Satan will try to bring memories to, to you from the past of, of sin and things that you did, and, and, but he'll only bring you the highlight reel. He won't remind you of all the bad things that happened. He won't remind you of all the fear and anxiety you dealt with. He won't remind you of, of all the things that tormented you before you came to the altar of Christ and got free and set free from those things. No, he'll, he'll try to bring back these memories, and it's selective. Oh, this was so good. This was so great. If it was so great, why were you still depressed back then? You know what I mean? What is it about the, the past that tries to suck us back in so much? Maybe it's a past hurt or, or something like that that tries to just cling to your soul. Or maybe it's even a good memory. But, you know, we always do this thing where we cling to the former things. We look back. Now, there's nothing wrong with good memories. We thank God for good memories. We thank God even for the history we have with Him. I mean, it, the Bible talks about how we should tell our children of the things that God has done for us in the past so we don't forget. And we should remember, it's, history is a good thing. We want, we want to be mindful of history. Listen, it's foolish to try to get rid of history, whether we like history or not, because if we get rid of history, we can't learn from it. It's foolish to get rid of history books and cut this out of history and, and, and get rid of this thing. That's foolish. We're not supposed to do that. We need to learn from our history, and especially our history with God. We want to remember what God has done for us. We want to know how far God has brought us, praise God. And we should not forget where we came from. We see this in Deuteronomy 8. It talks about don't forget where God has brought you from, lest you be lifted up in pride. But you know, the problem is when we let our attachment to the past keep us from moving forward. You know, I've said this before. You know, I don't want to burn the bridges that brought me where I am. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to continue to build bridges to where I'm going. 
You know, we're not trying to cut off the past. We're not trying to cut off what we've learned. We don't need to throw out the revelations that we have from the Word. Like I said before, the gospel hasn't changed. It's still hot off the press. And, and, and revelations that God has given to the generations before us, it's foolish to try and, and, and discount those things and say, oh, well, that's the Moses generation, but we're the Joshua generation. Yeah, but if it wasn't for Moses, Joshua wouldn't have even been there. Come on, you forget we forget that kind of stuff. If it wasn't for what Moses did, if it wasn't for Moses' obedience to God, Joshua would have still been laying bricks. And so it's foolish to have that mindset of, oh, I'm the Joshua generation. We don't Moses is old. They don't know what they're doing. We're gonna do a new thing. Yeah, but don't forget where you came from, baby. If it wasn't for the Moses generation, you wouldn't even be here. And we got to be careful about this independent, borderline rebellious mentality toward the older generations. No, God wants us to work with the older generations. God is all about the spirit of Elijah, which is the fathers being reunited with the sons and the sons being reunited with the fathers. That's the spirit of Elijah, and that's the spirit that is coming on the earth before the last days, before the end. And that's what we're looking for. But, you know, we, we lay a foundation. There's been a foundation laid, and we thank God for that. And we don't discount that. But we don't let our attachment to the past or the old ways of doing things keep us from moving forward. You know, things that God did in the past are amazing, but what He wants to do in the future is even more amazing than that. You know, and we, we elevate the past over the future a lot of times because we're carnally minded. Honestly, it's because we've already been there. You know, the future takes faith to get excited about. You have to see the future by faith to get excited about it. You have to see the future in the spirit to get excited about it. And that's kind of what I want to get into is what it means to have eyes to see what God is doing, ears to hear what God is doing. Remember back in Isaiah, he said, bring out the blind who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. There's a principle there that I want to get into, having eyes to see. You know, the interesting thing about the past and the future is that they're both unseen. When we're focused on the past, it's, it's, we're not looking at what we're seeing in front of us. We're just giving attention to what we've already seen. And a lot of times we're not giving attention to what God is showing us about the future. We're not attending to his words. What are we looking at? What, what, what are we focused on? Are we looking at what God is, is showing us in the future? Or are we focused on where we've already come from the past? And you know, I want to differentiate. I'm not talking about the good things of God from the past. Really, I'm talking about our old life, the old ways of doing things, the things that we're just nostalgic about in the soul. Now, nostalgia is not evil. It's not wrong to, to enjoy a good memory. It's not wrong to, to think about good things that God did or good things that we enjoyed, pleasant, fond memories with people, with family, things of that nature. Those are precious. We make good memories, and God's not against good memories. I mean, God gave us a memory for a reason. It's a good thing. But we've got to be careful that natural nostalgia doesn't hold us back from embracing the new things that God has for us. I want to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 to you. 2 to you. That's a lot of twos there. And, uh, and he talks about this in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse 6, he says, we, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, 
But it's not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. And it says this down in verse 9, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. He says, I has not seen, and ear has not heard. But he's making a reference to natural eyes and natural ears that have not heard or seen what God has prepared, which is, what is that? Is that past or is that future? That's future. He's saying the natural eye and the natural ear has not seen or heard this. And I'm going to prove that to you because in verse 10 he says, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. See, there's a difference between natural eyes and spiritual eyes. There's a difference between natural ears and spiritual ears. You know, uh, Paul talked about in Ephesians, the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart being enlightened. Have you ever heard the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord? I heard, I heard somebody say this one time, that the heart is the ear that hears the voice of God. There are spiritual eyes and there are spiritual ears. And God has revealed the future to us through His Spirit. But here's the thing. Do you have ears to hear it? Do you have eyes to see it? Like Isaiah said, will you be aware of it or will you not be aware of it? He says, For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of a man? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, now we've received the Spirit of, of God, not the Spirit of the world, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You see this principle of seeing something, perceiving something spiritually that has been given to us by God, that God has prepared for us. It says, we speak these things not in man's wisdom, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, natural eyes and natural ears are not what you're going to perceive this with. If you're stuck in your mind, if you're stuck in your soul, if you're stuck in your emotions, you're not going to perceive what God is trying to reveal to you through the Spirit. He says this, But he who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is rightly discerned by no one or judged by no one. It says this, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. You got to look at the context of these things. We, we quote this kind of stuff a lot about the mind of Christ. And we have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. And that's a great confession. It's, it's a right confession. It's of the word. But he's talking about having spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear what God is doing. It's talking about being one with the mind of the Lord. But see, in order to access, in order to tap into the mind of the Lord, we have to go in the Spirit. We have to see in the Spirit. We have to have ears to hear and eyes to see what God is doing. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 13. In verse 12, he said, For whoever has to him will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. 
Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn, so that I should heal them. You know, a lot of people are still struggling to receive healing because they won't see what God is trying to show them and they won't hear what God is trying to say to them. But Jesus said this, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. He's saying your eyes are blessed and your ears are blessed because you are perceiving what I'm trying to say to you. You are seeing and hearing the new thing. See, Jesus was showing them a fresh way of seeing things and hearing things, but so many of them didn't have eyes to, eyes to see it or ears to hear it. But the disciples did, and he said, you're blessed because of it. There's a blessing that comes from perceiving what God is doing. Proverbs 20, verse 12 says this, Ears to hear and eyes to see, both are gifts from the Lord. Let me ask you this. Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear the new thing that God is doing? Will you be aware of it or will you not be aware of it? Here's a question for you. What lenses are you looking at your future through? What glasses are you using to look at your future? You know, a few months ago, I have a friend who, who needed some new glasses and, and some people pitched in to bless him and to buy him some new glasses. And uh, my sister used to work at a, at a vision clinic. And so I, I drove him to the vision clinic to get his new glasses. And he was getting, his old glasses were broken. They would fall off his face. They were, they didn't have any of the, the things that go around your ears. They were just, they would just sit on his nose and they just weren't good at all. And he just needed some new glasses. And so I took him and he was picking out his new glasses. And while I was sitting in the waiting room, as he was getting his eyes examined, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. And he said, Ben, Cameron's not the only one getting new glasses today. He said, I'm giving you new glasses too. He said that, that you've been looking at some things through the lenses of fear and of the past and what you know. And then he brought up to me Psalm 34. He said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together because he delivered me from all my fears. You know, glasses, lenses magnify and they clarify. And what we magnify becomes bigger to us. I talked about how Jesus is the perfect image of God. When we look at Jesus, it's like putting on glasses that help us to see clearly. It magnifies who God is and it clarifies who God is. Jesus magnified the Father. Oh, oh, come on. You think about that. We always talk about, oh, we need to, let's magnify God. Let's magnify God. But, you know, magnifying God isn't just saying something in church or raising your hands. It's how you live. Oh, come on. Is your lifestyle magnifying the Father? Is your lifestyle magnifying Jesus? Are you making God bigger to other people? Oh, come on. Are you making Jesus clearer to other people? That's how you truly magnify the Lord. And if we want to magnify God, that means 
our life is a reflection of him and people are seeing him more clearly and people are seeing him in a bigger way because he's manifesting himself through our life. But he said, I've delivered you from all your fears, the things you were afraid of from the past, the things you were worried about. I've delivered you from that. But what glasses are you looking through? You know, I've heard people say, you know, oh, well, we shouldn't say, uh, we shouldn't confess, you know, that this is my fear because that's like owning it. We shouldn't confess, you know, uh, oh, uh, my fear. Well, I understand that there's a principle about not owning things. I wouldn't want to claim a disease or a sickness or something like that. But, you know, uh, God didn't miss it when he wrote this verse through David. He said he delivered me from all my fears for a reason. We've got to be careful about making faith confessions that contradict the Word of God. <laughs> no, there's a reason he said my fears. It's because these are the fears that are personal to me. It's one thing for me to be uh, afraid collectively with things that affect the whole world, but real fear is when it gets personal. It's one thing to be afraid of the virus, but real fear is when it starts affecting your job or your family. That's something that it gets personal. And, and those are the things that the devil really goes for. He wants to make fear personal to you because those are the darts that penetrate your heart. But David said, he delivered me from all my fears. Everything that was making me afraid. Everything that was worrying me about my life and my family and my things. He delivered me from that. So God asked me this question. He said, what lenses are you looking through, Ben? And I'd ask you the same question. What lenses are you looking at your future through? Are you still wearing your old fear glasses? Are you still looking at the world through your past brokenness? What has fear been influencing in your life? What has been influencing the way you're seeing your future? If that's the case, let me invite you with me. Let's magnify the Lord together. Let's exalt Him together because, listen, God has new glasses for you. And, and God has glasses of perfect love that cast out fear. He has glasses of faith, glasses that will cause you to see yourself and others as whole, not broken, as healed, as strong. He's a vision specialist, but what glasses are you wearing? God wants to give you vision for your life. He wants to give you new vision. He wants you to see the way he sees, but do you have eyes to see it? Do you have ears to hear it? What glasses are you wearing? Moving on. In Luke chapter 5, verse 33, Jesus said this, I'm sorry, the Pharisees said to the disciples rather, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, and they're talking to Jesus actually, but yours don't fast, they eat and drink. And Jesus said, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they'll fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new one does not match the old. Oh, come on. I'm going to say that again. The piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. You know, there's a lot of Christians walking around with patched jeans trying to fill spaces in their life, fill holes in their life, fill tears and heartbreak with old things instead of letting God do the mending. 
instead of letting God give them a new outlook, a new perspective. They want to try to patch it up with the old. They want to try to patch it up with what they're comfortable with, with what they know. They want to run home to what is familiar when they get their heart broken. But God's saying, no, baby, I got something new. Let me, let me give you a new thing. Let me do a new thing in your life. Let me give you a new perspective. That doesn't match. The old does not match the new. He said this, No one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. He said this, and this is a part of this verse. I, for some reason, I've never seen it before. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I've never seen this part of this verse before. In verse 39, he said, No one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new for he says, watch this, the old is better. You ever heard anybody talk about the good old days? Oh man, the good old days. What happened to the good old days? You know, I've done this. I've done this with music. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've complained on multiple occasions about, about the, the new music, about how music is these days. And, you know, I'm, I'm a 2000s baby. I'm a millennial. I grew up on Matchbox 20 and Three Doors Down and, and all these things. I grew up, you know, when, when music still was not so electronic and it felt more raw. And, and I, I grew up at a different era of music. And, and I've, I've expressed that many times that I miss when music was real. And you hear this same kind of thing with, with, with uh, the older generations. Oh, what happened to the good music in the 70s and the 60s? What happened to these things? Remember when cars were made this way? Remember when this was this way? Remember this? Remember that? And, and there's some merit to that. I mean, you know, I still hold those opinions about music. Sometimes I'm just like, what in the world is on the radio? But either way, we always have this tendency to look back and say the old was better. The old was better. And there's some principles in that. Sometimes the old was more genuine, more authentic, and, and the new stuff has just been so uh, genetically altered, so to speak. It's been so robotic. I just Sometimes it's just annoying. But at the same time, we've got to watch that mentality of always looking back and saying, oh, that was the good stuff. That was the good old days. That was the good wine. Because God says, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Watch this in the Passion Translation. He says, Who pours wine into an old wineskin? If someone did, the old wineskin would burst and the new wine would be lost. New wine must be poured into new wineskins. Watch this part, though. Yet you say the old ways are better and you refuse to even taste the new wine that I bring. So many people are stuck in the old. And it's true there were some good things about the old ways, the old days. But but if we always have this mindset that the best is behind us, the best we're ever going to see and hear and know is was already done, we already, we already maxed out, we already capped out, and it's all downhill from here, that's a dangerous mentality because God's like, I'm doing a new thing. I'm, I'm making new wine, but are you not even going to taste it? <laughs> are you not going to have eyes to see it? Are you not even going to entertain that the best is still yet to come? Because you think the best was behind you? These are having carnal, limited eyes, carnal, limited ears. It's, it's being carnally minded, not spiritually minded. It's having dull ears and eyes that can't see. You know, I'm one of those people that I'm, I'm very nostalgic in a lot of ways. 
I, I like memories. In fact, me and my siblings have these things we call pages of life. And what it is, it's, it's a memory that's attached to a song or attached to a smell or something we did or something we ate. And, and we kind of call them pages of life. And, you know, maybe we'll be in the store and we'll hear that old song. And, and at the same time, we'll drink that, you know, soda that we used to drink. And it'll just bring back this memory. And we're like, oh, man, remember that? Remember that? It was a page of life, you know. That's what we call them, pages of life. And it's like if we had a, a, a metaphorical scrapbook with all these things that are memories. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not evil. That's not wrong to look back and say, oh, that was awesome. Remember that? But the danger in that is when we let the old memories and the old attachments keep us limited from stepping into the new and keep us from seeing and hearing the new. Because we're so, we're so obsessed with the past. What we, all we do is praise the past. All we do is talk about the past. We spend all our time talking about how good it was, and we miss the new thing that God is doing. That's when the danger is, is, is when we're being limited by the nostalgia of our souls. You know, I like to go to flea markets. I was at a flea market with my little brother the other day. And it's fun to look at, at the things in flea markets. It's fun to look at all the old items and all these old things. I, I like to read you know, Western novels from the 70s. I, I like older movies. It seemed like a lot of that stuff was better quality. You know, I love Jimmy Stewart movies. I love you know, John Wayne movies. I, I like these old things because they were good. They had value. And, and I, I enjoy old sermons. I enjoy old teachings from, from the 60s and 70s. It, they're good. And they're music. You know, it's good stuff. And, and it, we don't want to throw that out because we learn from those things. But we got to be careful about getting so focused on the past that we miss out on the new. So many people love flea markets because nostalgia is one of the best marketing tools. <laughs> you think about it. In marketing and TV and commercials, people use nostalgia to to draw people in. And it works. People love nostalgia. That's why bands, you know, every so often will do a 20th anniversary album or something like that because they'll bring back the old and, and we love that. And and there's a, a principle there that's true. And, and you know, I, I'm not saying that's wrong. But it's wrong when we get so caught up in the past that we won't look to the future. And when we believe that the best was back then and it's not ahead of us. Because it takes faith to believe the best is yet to come. You know, I just sold a guitar online. I like to buy guitars and redo them, remodel them, re-restore them and sell them. And I sold an old Stella guitar and the person who bought it said, you know, I bought this for nostalgic reasons because I had one just like it back in the 70s. You know, and, and people do that. People buy things for the, this nostalgic value, the sentimental value. And there's nothing wrong with fond memories. But let me ask you this. Are you living in the past? Are you still carrying wounds from the past relationships? Or are you allowing them to affect your current ones? Let me ask you this question. Why do we always try to pour new wine into old bottles? Why do we try to mix the old with the new? Why do we try to fit today's feet into yesterday's shoes? We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to move on. We're supposed to to expand. You know, people do this with relationships. People will always compare their current relationship with a past relationship. 
They'll maybe they had a spouse that died, and and then they'll get remarried, but then they expect this new spouse to be like the old one, and that's a totally different person. And and yes, you know it's sad that that they lost their first spouse. That's tragic, but you're in a new season of life. If you keep trying to live in the past and and, and fit that person into the uh, who's a triangle into a square hole, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be limited. People people have problems in relationships and they try to bring, you know, the expectations either positive or negative into their current relationship. This is why I talked about how marriage is an altar. You know, marriage is an altar because you've got to crucify everything before that altar. You've got to crucify your expectations of what you is the perfect this or perfect that. You've got to crucify that tendency to to flirt and talk to other people you got to you got to crucify your single life to step into married life that's why it's an altar and to step into something new it's a sacrifice but it's worth the trade it's worth it and, and it's just like this, this with god we have to crucify our old life but it's worth it because what we are gaining is so much more valuable than what we are letting go of but we have to have eyes to see it we have to have eyes to see what god is doing are you asking God for new wine and holding on to your own your old wine bottles? Are you trying to recycle the past into your future? God has something fresh for you. God has something new. We're not supposed to have recycle bins uh, of our memories that we try and, and attach them to every new thing that God is doing. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with good memories, and we're not to throw away what God did in the past and act like it doesn't matter. You know, what God did is eternal. What God did lasts forever. No, that's not what I'm saying. But but so many things that are just a part of our humanity, just a part of who we are, God says, hey, it's time to move on. Like like Matt Carney's song, it's time to move on, moving on. It's time to move on. Before I close, I want to talk for just a minute about John chapter 2. And, uh, you know, in John chapter 2 is when Jesus turned the water into wine. And, you know, uh, uh, this was Jesus' first public miracle. And, you know, uh, Jesus, uh, Mary came to Jesus and, and told him about it. And he said, woman, you know, my time has not yet come. But obviously something changed because he ended up doing something about it. And she said, whatever he said, do you do it? And he, he, said, he said, take these stone jars of water, which were purification jars, uh, there were stone jars because the stone is, is pure and it couldn't be contaminated. And the purification water represented cleansing away the old. And this is the water that Jesus turned into wine. You know, back in the Old Testament, we, we see how there was the, the, the pool that the Israelites were drinking out of, and they called it Mara, which means bitter because it was poisonous. They couldn't drink it. But Moses threw a branch into the water, and it says it made the bitter water sweet. You know, God wants to turn the bitter waters of yesterday into tomorrow's sweet wine. If you'll let him do it, God will turn your water into wine, new wine. But you know, there's a reason why he, he did this with the purification water, because when God does something new in your life, it comes after cleansing away the old. This new wine represented the new covenant, the new and living way that Hebrew tells us about. And when we lay down our old life to take up the new one, we become dead to sin. We become dead to the past. We become dead to a flawed heritage or a generational curse. And we become alive to Christ. 
You know, I love what he says in John 2, the the master of the feast drinks the wine and says, you know, most people serve the best wine first, and then after everybody's a little tipsy, they serve the other wine. He said, but you have saved the best wine until now. You know, like this wine, God always saves his best for last. As Brian Houston says, the best is yet to come. Your best days are ahead of you, but do you have eyes to see it? Or are you still clinging to the good old days? Are you still clinging to the past? God saves his best for last. If you'll stop clinging to the past, you'll discover God's best that he saves for last. God wants to do something new in you. You're not supposed to be a carbon copy of your parents or your pastor. He wants to do something fresh. He wants to do something new. And it's time to sing a new song to the Lord. Listen, shout to the Lord is a great song, but it's time to write a new song. I'm not saying we can't sing shout to the Lord. I love that song. But we don't need to just get stuck on that. Don't cling to yesterday's template. We're to walk in the old paths of God's word, as Jeremiah said, and we don't need a new gospel. But God has a new way of doing things in your life. You are not bound to the past. You know, before I close this podcast, I want to mention this. I've mentioned this before, but at the beginning of 2021, I believe the Lord said this to me, 2021 is your year to run. And he brought up this verse to me in Hebrews. It says in chapter 12, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. And they're the ones that have gone before us. They're the generations that have gone before us. Like I said, we're not to discount the generations. We're to all work together. But he says this, So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. You see this principle of we're looking at Jesus, we're magnifying Jesus. Our eyes are on him, our ears are attentive to his voice, and therefore we're seeing and perceiving the new thing that he's doing. Listen, the PS2 is great, but you know Why would we stick with the PS2 playing the old games when God has a PS5 right in front of us? Why would we stick to the old way of doing things when God's saying, that's great, and you can keep that in the closet, and and that's fine, but don't get so caught up in that that you miss the new thing that I'm doing, that you miss the new and living way, the clearer picture. You know, just like with, I talked about in the beginning with the the PS2 and the the newer PlayStation and things like that. You know, that old PlayStation, you know, those graphics seem pretty good for that time. But now we look at some of the new games and like I like the game Medal of Honor and we see the graphics now are almost real life, almost realistic. And, and, you know, those games were good. That was uh, amazing for that time. But... Nowadays, they're so good at these things that it's such a clear picture, and it's almost like the real thing. And, and you know, I know that seems like a silly example if you're not a video game person, but if you are, I think you like it. Um, so often we get so stuck in the old way, that's a blurry picture. Just like in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, now we see through a mirror dimly, but we will see perfectly. Jesus is 4K. That's what my friend said the other day. I didn't make that up. But Jesus is the clear image of the Father. 
and, and when we fix our eyes on Jesus, like Hebrews tells us, why would we look at the old way of doing things? Why would we go back to looking at a blurry image of the Father? You know, the Old Testament is great. It's anointed. It's the Word of God. And it points to Jesus. We read the Old Testament and it points us to Jesus. It shows us Jesus. It shows us the Father. And we'd be a fool to neglect the Old Testament. But at the same time, we got to remember, we can't look at it without our Jesus glasses. We can't look at these things without seeing the way He sees it. Because He is the perfect image. We can't put on our old glasses of, of how people saw God out of fear, out of being afraid to come to him. No, the Bible says we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. We can enter into the Holy of Holies now. People used to be afraid and, and for good reason, but no, we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. This is our new and living way. And listen, we don't have to live with fear of the future. The best that God has for us is still out in front of us. It's still to come. I mean, just think about heaven. Heaven is better than anything that we've ever experienced. And baby, that's in the future. That's, that's out ahead of us. The best is not behind us. The best is yet to come. And if we will attend our ears to his words, and if we will fix our eyes on Jesus and magnify the Lord, we'll have eyes to see it and we'll have ears to hear it. This has been the No Content Podcast. I hope you got something out of this. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to click play and I will talk to you next time. Thanks again for listening to the No Contempt podcast. If you want to, you can follow me on social media at No Contempt. Or if you don't want to, then you don't have to. So don't. Don't worry about it. But whatever you do, please remember these three things. Number one, God loves you. Number two, you are valuable. And number three, so is everyone else. And number four, please don't forget to feed the ducks.